Welcome back to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. And since it's Thursday, it's time for a bit of artsing around with Andrew Dambina. Andrew, it's great to speak to you. How are you doing, you sir? Too. Good, good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? There's a bit of thunder going along here. Not, uh, let's not go into a whole weather scenario, <laughs> I know, but, but just to say, if you hear a few explosions in the background, it's oh. not a kinetic... It's not a bit of kinetic art, it's the sky. No, but there's a new announcement that just came flashing up on my screen. You're, you're, you're right, the special announcement on flooding in the Northern New oh. Territories uh, has just been announced. So if you are located right. in the Northern New Territories, uh, do be careful if you're out and about. Stay indoors if you can and, and tune into uh, Radio 3, especially right now. Okay, especially right now, where we're going to... Uh dive into uh, some, some arty talk, yeah, Noreen, as we do it every Thursday afternoon. Exactly. Uh, right. Well, um, while um, I'll start off with global, uh, something global. Um, what, you know, there's so much uh, news of global head-butting these days and posturing around each other almost daily, it seems, for quite a long time now. So it's good to see an item in the global fine arts arena that's a bit more relaxed. Um, and I'll tell you about it now, between um, having overseas influencers, particularly when COVID's going on, where getting people to work in different places must be a whole other kind of set of challenges as well. But there's, um, there's an annual um, fellowship at London's Whitechapel Gallery, and they just announced yesterday that mainland China-born Zoe Diao is going to be their curatorial fellow. Um, for 2021 to 2022 season, because they do this thing annually. And it's, uh, they call it the um, Asymmetry uh, Curatorial Fellowship. And it's called Asymmetry because uh, Asymmetry is an independent non-profit foundation that is dedicated to nurturing curatorial practices. Now, cura- I-, I mentioned it's a curatorial Fellowship. So let's just explain what that is for anyone who's unsure. The curator engaged in curatorial practices will be thinking up the concept for art exhibitions in uh, museums, public spaces, sometimes um, well-funded uh, independent galleries, galleries will also have a curator. But quite commonly, if you look around the small independent galleries that you see, let's say Hollywood Road, um, or uh, Wong, Wong Chuk Hang, or, or, or even independent ones that aren't in the main cluster of galleries. They'll normally have uh, a curator as part of their team who will also be either the gallery manager or the gallery assistant. It's only in the really big spaces, like uh, the Museum of Art in Hong Kong, where recently I interviewed for this very segment uh, a, a, an interview with the assistant curator on the Surrealism exhibition that's going on there. And uh, uh, and the reason that they offered the uh, the voice of the assistant curator, because there are two altogether. There's the uh, there is the curator, so the who is, she's not called the head curator. She's simply the curator, and she wasn't available on that occasion for an interview, but she was when we had a feature on the Botticelli exhibition. So all the all of the big galleries have at least one full-time curator, and luckily for Zoe. Diao, who is not a young starting uh, curator, she's a mid-career. Um, they call it uh, this. This fellowship is aiming to get mid 
career. Um, so people who have been uh, an a- active curator for at least a decade or two to come along and um, give some of their input as a kind of cultural exchange in part. But also the a- the asymmetry um, organization always acts for Asian curators. So sometimes it could be uh, from mainland China, other times from different parts of South Asia or East or North, all, all over Asia, to place them in countries that are out of Asia. So in this case, it's at the, um, it's at the Whitechapel Gallery in East London, which is a great gallery, one of the main uh, galleries in, in London with a great reputation. So she was selected from a, uh, a short list of um, uh, over 100 applicants and um, she's going to focus on uh, two related projects. It's such a great opportunity. I thought, I mean, the reason I'm talking about this, Noreen, is because, you know, we may have heard the word curator, but as this came up for someone uh, to be going to the other side of the world, particularly at this difficult time with all sorts of um, uh, restrictions on things for um, uh, galleries and, uh, opening and closing all the time. However, they're going ahead with this. And she starts in September, going on till March 2022. Uh, yeah, she's going to be uh, focusing on two related uh, projects while she's there conducting research. One research project she'll be doing um, uh, is researching art dealers um, who have supported the development of artists beyond any commercial return. So some art dealers do really exist where they're not just looking for artists purely for a commercial return. They're not just looking for the next up-and-coming artist. They're not just there to make money. They're there to really discover talent and... Yeah. Um, To to make a little bit of money, maybe, but just not so much money. If if the money comes their way, Noreen, they might not say no to it. (laughs) (laughs) But but, but some some of them are claiming. That's, that that's great. Not, that, that that's not their priority. So her project, it's so specific. She's going to be conducting research on art dealers only from the 1970s who supported the development of artists beyond any commercial return. What they were looking for, why they were looking for artists. Basically, they were looking for artists who would contribute to the story of art that was popular in the 1970s that, were, that would be important to be part of museum collections or part of private collections that want to have a narrative that's very thorough on 1970s art. Um, and as well as that, she's going to contribute to the delivery of a major exhibition about modern and contemporary artists' studios across the world. So the, the, the Whitechapel Gallery, with a team of... Uh, of, of researchers and creators, and uh, Zoe Diao will be part of this, is going to be looking for what makes a modern contemporary artist studio and how they're different from ones from around the world. And I don't know, I think the uh, White Hat Gallery is really into multimedia art, so I should imagine there'll be a lot of video or maybe even some live online goings on for, um, you know, to, to get in touch with, uh, with different artists to see how their galleries are different. Yeah. So, just a quick, quick. Yeah, sorry, were you going to say something? I, w- I was, Andrew. Are you yeah. moving around at all? I think I've kind of the the, the connection, the reception's kind of drifting in oh. and out, or the line is not as clear as it was. Oh no! Oh, okay, uh, it's, I, I it's, it's better it's, now. Oh, uh, I haven't moved actually the whole time, but it, it might be the thunder. So, sometimes thunderstorms do affect the telephone signal oh, um, where enough. I am. I hope it's okay. Um, 
So, um, yeah, Zoe was born in uh, Changchun, which is in Jilin province in northeast China. And so she's, she's 42, a researcher and a curator who now lives in New York. Um, she did spend many years getting educated in fine art in China. So she went to the Beijing um, National uh, Fine Art Academy to do her degree. Then she went on to do a BA in art history in Hangzhou. And she did an MA in archaeology then going out of China into and Durham University in the UK. And she's been working for years in the best known uh, contemporary fine art gallery in Beijing, which is the Ullens Centre for Contemporary Art. It really doesn't get better than that. And after that, she worked as a curator for exhibitions held by a couple of different auction houses in Beijing. So there's going to be a lot that she's going to be able to bring to uh, her networking and discussions at the Whitechapel Gallery. So I'm talking about this today because it's, it's an interesting and uh, intrinsic part of setting up good, engaging exhibitions. The bigger the exhibition and the bigger the establishment, the, the better you need to really structure an exhibition well. And I have to say that I was quite surprised to hear, just really briefly going back to the surrealism um, exhibition. I didn't bring this up. In fact, I did ask this question, but the interview was too long, so I had to cut it from the original feature that I uh, that I uh, presented for you to play out, Noreen, on the Surrealism exhibition. The, by the way, reminder, do go and see it, everyone, if you haven't already. Fantastic exhibition of big names, Salvador Dali, Rene Marguerite, and all the big Surrealist names. Uh, what I was fascinated about was that the, the, all of these artworks come from the Pompidou Centre, a uh, contemporary and modern gallery in Paris. And they, they used the um, direction for for curating the exhibition from the head curator in the Pompidou Museum in Paris. They didn't, they actually didn't make their, they, of course there would be some changes that they made in the space once artworks were hung and thinking about music and light and, and how many uh, paintings by which artists would be in each of the gallery sections in the great exhibition that is on now. But, they, basically, the whole theme and the fact that it was based on mythology as a string, as a kind of a, uh, um, as a way to structure the whole of the, uh, the whole of the progression. It wasn't just set up chronolo chronologically, as many are, you know, from the earliest painting to the last one. It wasn't done like that at all. It was done with mythological elements, and each room might have had a different uh, aspect of mythology that meant these. That, that painting A or B should be in this sub-gallery or that sub-gallery. hope I'm not getting too geeky on the old uh, curatorial totally, thing, Doreen. Totally, geeky, uh, totally uh, uh, geekiness, but we love it. We love a bit of art <laughs> geek. <laughs> okay. I think it's not, very interesting. And they have courses yeah. where you can study um, they, uh, programs where you can uh, study, uh, what's a curation? Is it or yeah, curating? Curatorial, C yeah, C yeah, curation or curatorial studies. Yeah, yeah. They, they they do. In the, and the place that she's going to um, has an MA, a Master of Arts in Curating Arts and Public Programs. Uh, that's the, um, the Whitechapel Gallery. It works in conjunction with South Bank University in the centre of London to do a, a curatorial course. So some of the some of the inputs that she gives them will feed back into um, the way they might consider the way things are curated in this part of the world and vice versa. She'll be bringing things back 
Although I don't know if she's made New York her permanent home, but that's where she's been living for the last couple of years or whether she would go back to working in galleries and uh, auction houses as a curator in Beijing, Hangzhou, or back in her native province of Jilin. I don't know. But it's a, but it's a very interesting exchange of, uh, of thought in, uh, in curation. And great, great, as I was saying, to see that it's going on, um, you know, and that, uh, you know, aspects of the arts world don't have these kind of barriers and butting heads all the time. It's just nice to hear about something positive going on between different countries across the world, isn't it? So, um, uh, next, something a little more close to home. A hotel group has just launched a project which is something that's online. Quite an interesting one that was born out of um, out of a creative brainstorming session in order to do something creative and constructive during a time where hotels were shut down and COVID meant that guests weren't able to or even didn't want to travel. So it's a digital project with an international team and locations. And it's the, uh, it's the group of hotels called the House Collective. And that's Upper House that we have in Admiralty. And they've got a few other hotels around which are in, uh, in mainland China. Uh, very kind of cool hotels. And, and they, they, actually, the one, the one that's here, I've been to a few talks that they do about art and design. They sometimes have these, what they call fireside discussions, because they've got a fireplace in, uh, on, on, on a sort of uh, uh, a very top, top floor. It must be 20 or more floors up in the sky. But they do these kind of, uh, they get in famous fashion, interior, architectural designers, occasionally an artist or a filmmaker. And they have these kind of arty discussions. So it is a group that likes to be a patron of the arts. And they, they have their own hired uh, curator. We've just been talking about curating. And Patsy Lowe, who is a Hong Kong-born uh, curator who has been involved in this project, which is, uh, oh, I haven't got, I'm just going to find the name of this project, but it was going to be at the top of uh, what I was talking about. It's called Encounters Across Cultures. And it's, it's called Encounters Across Cultures because they also, underneath, uh, under the uh, admin of the curator, who was um, P uh, Patsy um, Ho, sorry, Patsy Lowe, she, she has engaged the works of two uh, choreographers in Paris to advise dancers that were, that, that were top contemporary dancers in Hong Kong and in Shanghai, in Chengdu and in Beijing to act, to create dance, contemporary dance from scratch to, to be of interest with very tightly cropped backdrops from the hotels um, that are in these four different cities. I sent you a picture, a screen grab, Noreen, of, uh, of something from the, the website, which does have the name Encounters Across Asia 2021. And I found this, I, I'm, I'm not um, as knowledgeable anywhere near, uh, you know, in the area of dance as I am in fine arts, which I studied years ago, the latter. Um, but I did find it pretty amazing watching some of the choreography and some of the uh, quite emotional uh, movements and music that's been put together in something that's presented online. And it's not, if anyone's thinking this might be a bit, a bit pretentious or flouncy, it's actually not. It's actually something that was born. I've got great admiration for this project because it was born out of a time where people could have just 
sat at home and done nothing or you know if they were lucky enough to be um working from home that is or um or just um or maybe companies would lay people off without um without being paid you know sort of uh, taking unpaid leave that sort of thing these guys the management decided to engage and pay for a few different consultants there's the curator patsy low i mentioned there are two uh, choreographers that, that yeah. are based, based in paris and also yeah. there was a um an art consultancy also in hong kong who helped to do to oversee continuity from one of one place one of these four places to another to make sure that the final edit of uh of videos that were done that showed more than one place there are three videos in total um, that are going to be all online. One of them is up at the moment, but to ensure that continuity throughout each video would have a kind of a signature style, that everything would look, sound, and feel the same. And so it was quite a challenge, I think, for people to walk, work across time zones and with language barriers. Everything must have been a challenge, to say the least, mm -hmm. when you had to... Imagine having to choreograph someone you're based in Paris, and you've got to deal. You've, you've got to, you've got to deal not only with the time zone, but with people speaking either a, a in native tongue, native tongue Mandarin or yeah, or Cantonese, Cantonese. and uh, and your French, and you've got to, you know it's all of the translation. Well, involved. It, that's it, it, the beauty. It, it, that's the beauty of yeah. dance because it's so yeah. it's movement based, so it transcends all the language exactly. barriers. Yeah, it's it, body it, it language. Does. To, it to does, extent, but what yeah. about the direction? If you're a choreographer and um, you know you've got to uh, you've got to sort of um, critique or to give yeah. direction to uh, to this and that, um, it's uh, so the tricky. nuances of exactly. language must really become uh, you know something of a uh, well a challenge, yes, <laughs> to say, to the, to say the least. Some, some trying moments, yeah, <laughs> I would think. There, there, there's going to be three videos then, as I mentioned in this project series. The first one is already viewable. Uh, and it's called um, it's called Shanghai Textures Meet Beijing Geometry, and so it's the two uh, hotels in Shanghai and Beijing. And the focus, you know, let's not deny this. It is a soft marketing tool for the hotel group for sure, but it's not a dance tour through all the facilities or anything like that. It doesn't feel like that. Um, so they're using what they had, which was the interior. Of, um, the, 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 of these quite beautiful uh, contemporary hotels, really. And they, uh, they've also paid for these dancers to do all this. You know, so it's not, this is not some kind of uh, easy way of getting a bit of marketing, for sure. And the, uh, the, next, the next videos are going to, they're all going to be released in phases. The next one's going to be online on the 23rd of September, and it'll be called Hong Kong Serenity meets Chengdu Contrast. And the third one's going to be called Traditional Masters. It's going to show different bits of artwork, I think, uh, while the, the dancers do some dance around or through different bits of, uh, of uh, Chinese artwork. And there's, there's some great making of videos that are already available. You can see some of these at, um, this is all one word, thehousecollective.com. Um, you can see the first video. It's already up there. I think it's quite beautiful, actually, especially viewed on a desktop large screen. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I recommend that. So take a look at that. I've got one last thing to mention quickly, um, which is an exhibition that is on our doorstep. There is something for local arty ingestion coming up from Monday next week. It's a group exhibition by some uh, artists in different media. That's Jason Lamb. John Chan and Dave Ho. It's called Distance in Three. 
And one of them is a painter, one of them is a photographer, one of them is a sculptor. Sounds, sounds like the start of a joke, doesn't it? Mm. They go to a, you know, they meet in a pub and something happens, but it's not. It's an <laughs> exhibition, and it's it's. Uh, I thought it, it was it a bit of a rom com. <laughs> it could be. It could be anything, couldn't it? But it's a uh, distances in three. It's about the it's about the distance between the types of medium that they work because all these three artists who are youngish artists between well they're, they're up to uh, into their thirties, but um, from twenties to thirties. Uh, John Chan's the photographer, and he is showing reflections of uh, grassroots city dwellers here. So he's looking at uh, sort of what people are doing in their environment. This is, these are not grim, bleak, you know, everyone's having a hard lifetime images. He looks for symmetry in public housing estates. He does look at um, the old classic Hong Kong washing, hanging out of the windows scenario. That does feature. But he's looking at what it is to live in a small urban environment. Sometimes, you know, taking a, an artist photographer's eye to look at things is always interesting. I've seen a few of his uh, works from this exhibition, and he is pretty good at framing, just seeing things and and really cutting down to an essential detail that you and I might miss if we were, you know, just walking past a, uh, a housing estate or, or a private sort of more grassroots level kind of dwelling. And um, Jason Lamb is a painter, and he explores the uh, the kind of unclear line between painting and digital technology. So what he does is he produces paintings, and he's not the first person to have ever done this. I think when you're painting, someone's already d always done something similar before. But he paints images that looks like he's almost got pixelated images and canvases that are looking at landscapes of Hong Kong, parks, and some urban areas of Hong Kong, but almost as if it would be you're looking at it on a computer screen or through a device image. Um, so he takes uh, some of the paintings are a little brighter, almost as if they're glowing because of, uh, they, you can imagine them being backlit uh, as, a, as a monitor or a screen would be, but they're not. And I'll just say really quick because I can see we're running uh, just close a minute to left, uh, yeah. the end of the hour. Yeah, uh, the, the last one is a... Um, there's a sculptor who works in various materials. I'm sorry, Andrew, the line is just a little bit bad. If you oh, just, oh, yep, okay. it might be a bit better. Just put, yep. All right. Yep. I'll okay. keep going until you cut me off, Doreen. <laughs> it's, it's, um, the, the, the last artist is a sculptor, and he uses um, pottery, and he does wood carving, and he's got a more whimsical take, almost finds um, mythological creatures and elements that he concocts out of uh, his imaginary little corners of Hong Kong. So that's all at the Drinks Club. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry, Andrew. The line is a, a little bit bad. Okay. Uh, yeah, can we ha have that perhaps next week, uh, if possible? Is it time sure. sensitive? Yeah, sorry about that. The line's just uh, gone bad because I think of the thunderstorm warning, sadly. Um, well, okay. I look forward to uh, more chats with you uh, next week on, on Tuesday and on Thursday uh, for Artsing Around. Meanwhile, have, have a great show on Saturday and have a great uh, rest of the week. Thank you very much to you, Andrew Dambina. Thanks, Noreen. Have a good afternoon.